Sharks aren't supposed to cry Or so the saying goes If tears fell from a shark eye How would you ever know? Welcome everybody to True Exact Show. Shark Week 2021 is continuing. And this uh, this next guest we got, he's the first person I reached out to last year, actually. Um, we finally got him on a year later. Dr. David Schiffman. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, happy to be here. No, we are very happy to have you. Now, um, first thing before we get into some questions about like how, you know, some shark behavior, things like that, marine biology. Talk about your upbringing, how you got into sharks or marine biology in general. Uh, what made you veer that way into your profession? Sure. So I grew up pretty far from the ocean, actually, in Pittsburgh. And actually, a lot of marine biologists that I know are sort of from the Midwesty areas. There's something about the magic of the ocean when you're not around it all the time. It's sort of a distant thing. Uh, but I, I, I feel like most kids go through a shark thing or a dinosaur thing. And I actually had both of those. But I, I've wanted to do this as long as my family can remember. There are pictures of me as a toddler with shark toys and shark T-shirts. And my parents have always been very supportive, though I, I think they thought I was going to grow out of this eventually, and I never have. <laughs> no, but that's cool because when you grow up next to the ocean, you kind of take it for granted. Uh, we only live 30 minutes away here in New Jersey. So, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, it, it makes sense because our first experience was – dirty jersey water and <laughs> needles floating up on oh, the shore oh, 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 oh. Don't, don't trash the jersey shore it's <laughs> not as bad listen it's not as bad as people say it is you know it just gets my, my mom's from bayonne uh, and my grandfather was actually one of the first scuba divers and used to work for the bayonne police uh, helping to find uh Bodies with cement shoes attached. So, oh, <laughs> I grew up hearing stories of New Jersey waters. That, uh, that, didn't, that didn't help my point at all. <laughs> <laughs> there may not be needles, but there's a lot of dead bodies floating yeah. around. No, that's that's cool though. So in Pittsburgh, obviously, was that was that like very popular? Uh, was there any courses around you to take, or was it like all self-taught? Well, I went to a zoo camp at the Pittsburgh Zoo, like all the cool oh. kids did, of course. <laughs> and uh, they, the Pittsburgh Zoo had a small, it's since expanded, but at the time it was a small aquarium sort of annex that had a shark tank. And my parents used to be able to park me there and they would just be entranced by it for hours. But then I, I, I later went to marine biology camp in the Florida Keys in middle school and high school. So there wasn't much uh, in terms of just regular school classes, but summer programs, and I read all the books I could get my hand on, and I watched Shark Week back when it used to be not terrible. No, uh, we're going to touch on that, trust me. <laughs> I, I have some questions, because I agree with you on that. Uh, but uh, go on, Brian. Me, yeah, let me ask this real quick. Now, you had mentioned, like you said, all kids go through, like, uh, I, I like a super predator phase. You know, when you're a little kid, oh, T-Rex, uh, great white shark, lions, tigers, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. What specifically about sharks, like, attracted you? What, what drew you in? Yeah, I just... Even now, at this point, I've seen thousands of sharks all over the world. Every time I see one, I still feel the same way I did the first time I saw one when I was a little kid. It's just awe. It's, it's, it's indescribable. It's, you're looking at something that uh, hundreds of millions of years ago basically looked exactly the same because it hasn't need to, needed to change because it's, it's perfect. And they're just so powerful and they're so graceful and they're so athletic and they're... they're uh, 
I just get a, a real sense of awe every time I see one. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't, that like, hasn't gone away. It's kind of like me, except when I see buffalo wings. Yeah. Oh, you're making me hungry. <laughs> now, there was a guy, I, I was in San Diego uh, two years ago, and it's funny because um, I got an Uber, and my Uber driver ended up being a wildlife photographer, specifically great white sharks. Oh, cool. Yeah, and it, like, I mean, I just had a conversation with him on the 20-minute ride we had, and just, like, going back and forth with him, I mean, this guy was doing free diving with great white sharks. Like, he photographed them in cages and stuff like that. He actually, uh, he had a boat where he chartered that he took out people for day trips to go see the great whites, um, let them get in the cage with them and everything like that. But have you ever done anything like that as far as, like, swimming with, like, I mean, obviously, smaller sharks, but, like, anything on, like, a grand scale like that, like the big ones. Yeah, I did get to go cage diving with great white sharks in South Africa. And uh, that's something I'd always wanted to do. I saw it on TV when I was little. And uh, you always wonder if you build up something like that up in your head too much that it's not going to live up to the hype. It really did. It was awesome. It was so, it was so great. And they, this has happened. I've gotten really lucky with experiences like this, not just being able to do it at all, but whenever you go on a wildlife viewing trip, you might not see wildlife. Yeah. Um, and they, they were, didn't even get halfway through their speech mm-hmm. of, no, we're not promising that you're actually going to see any great whites. They're a rare animal. The numbers are going down. We're, you're lucky if we see a fin off in the distance. Before They didn't even get halfway through that speech before a 14-footer started hanging out right by the boat. And I just, wow. it, was, it was incredible. What is, it, what is it like to get in the water with a creature that size? It really uh, it, it puts into perspective uh, our own fragility. There's that mm. quote about how when you, enter the, when you enter the wilderness, you enter the food chain and not always at the top. Humans mm. are not used to uh, thinking about ourselves as prey. Yeah. Uh, we're used to being, uh, we're, we're, we're used to, yeah. We're we have we have virtually have nothing to fear, minus like a a rogue bear like coming out of nowhere and just yeah. deciding to rip you apart, you know. Yeah, a a, a fourteen foot great white shark is an animal that you could not defeat in battle if it came right. to it. That is a that the just raw power that it emanates, the just effortless power, is is really uh, it's it's indescribable. It's just amazing to get to see. Yeah, it's probably real humbling. It's like they that's why that song Kansas Dust in the Wind is really one of the greatest songs of all time because it really just shows we really are shit. Like yeah. we're just like we you know eventually like old photos, old memories, they're gone and eventually some no one will be here to remember them unless you're like I don't know Babe Ruth or something which is 100 years later, but <laughs> I'd rather I don't know why I thought of Babe Ruth out of anybody <laughs> possible. Babe Ruth yeah. <laughs> no, so, so David, can I call you David? Or are we good? Sure. All right, awesome. It'd be great if you were like absolutely not, and then just hung up. Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you've had some crazy guests over the years. No, but I do have to say, um, we've ha- actually like one or two. You're right. We have. <laughs> We have had on about four or five shark experts uh, last mm-hmm. year, and we've kept in touch with a couple of them. And it's a cutthroat business, but everybody, oh, because I usually ask off the air, who's like who's cutthroat, who's assholes, people you wouldn't, everybody had nice things to say about you. Honestly. Oh, that's nice to hear. They did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. There, there are certainly some uh, trouble individuals in the field right. and I'm lucky that I'm at a point in my career now where I don't need to worry about them. Right. I can so just like, do my own thing. 
when you got into the business, like, did you know it was that cutthroat or were you like going in like, you know, a happy go lucky and then like someone dirted you and you were just like, wait, what's going on here? I thought we were on the same team trying to help sharks, things like that. Were you ever witness to that? I am lucky that I uh, have always sort of been in the know about things like that. I don't know if it's lucky to just always know that there are, there are monsters in your midst, but it does allow you to protect yourself a little. Uh, so I was jaded is the wrong word, but I always had my guard up, uh, particularly around uh, some people in particular. And that's helped me avoid any trouble, but certainly I know people who have been, uh, who have been done dirty and, it's, it's no good. I mean, it, it's, life's too short. We're, not, we're doing this job because we think it's important and we think it's rewarding. No one's getting rich off this. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, there's some, there's some people that are just not nice. And there's enough else that I have to worry about in my day that I would like to not have to worry about my coworkers trying to sabotage me. Right. You got to worry about a shark biting your hand off, not a human backstabbing you. Yeah. For, for the most part. That's really cool. So when, when it comes to – oh, one thing I want to touch on because mm-hmm. I saw you tweet about it yesterday. I want to give you a chance to defend yourself about something you tweeted yesterday about finning and you were like – people were getting on you about it. Oh, jeez, so, yes. Yeah, if you want to defend yourself, you take the platform here. Yeah, so people are – Twitter is a weird place. It's the worst place and in the world. It is an incredibly powerful tool for, science, for scientists and public educators – to reach previously unheard of audiences. With my Twitter following nowadays, and for, uh, for your listeners, if you're, if you're interested, I'm at Why Sharks Matter on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. But with my Twitter following nowadays, if I tweet about what I had for lunch, it reaches more people than went to my high school. Uh, it, and my, more people follow me on Twitter than live in the town where I was born. So it's, uh, it's, it's an incredibly powerful tool, but it's, brings out the worst in some people. Mm-hmm. And people are, one thing people are especially not great at is nuance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twitter, everything has to be black or white. You're either with me or you're not only against me, you're evil and the reason why the world is terrible. And, but sometimes people just don't read the article that they're responding to. Yeah. And that's almost more frustrating because yeah. I might agree with them if they bothered to learn what they're talking about. And in this particular case, this is, one of the, what, this is one of the more egregious examples of this year, but I've had some doozies over my, I've been on Twitter 12 years now, which means I remember when Twitter used to be fun. Yeah. But uh, that this was an article um, by a, a, an environmental nonprofit group called Traffic. And that's an acronym for something, but they deal with, uh, they deal with uh, wildlife that's traded between countries, particularly endangered species. It's, a lot, a, a lot of, uh, like, uh, what is it called? Forensic accounting and stuff like that that you might ordinarily think with organized crime. Mm-hmm. It's a really cool organization. But anyway, they created a series of 3D printing files so you can print ultra-realistic versions of what shark fins from endangered species look like. And the purpose of this is to train customs officers at airports and ports you'd be able to recognize this is an illegal shark fin versus this is this one's fine. And I shared this article talking about how it's going to help crack down on illegal shark fin- finning. And someone just saw the words shark finning and not any of the rest of it and thought that I was promoting shark finning by 
sharing an article about a new technology that's going to cut down on shark finning. It's the, the most ridiculous, that, that's, a, that's a frustrating example, but not an especially entertaining one. So I'll give you an entertaining one. A few, uh, a, a few years ago, uh, my PhD lab won a grant, a community grant from Wells Fargo uh, for do our work trying to just speak in local schools about ocean conservation and marine biology and stuff like that. Wells Fargo is not a science funding organization. They cared that we were doing community education. And someone saw that I was doing this and yelled at me for selling sharks to a bank. <laughs> what? This sort of crap happens. It, I, it, I can't remember the last time I went two weeks without something like that. But I have had a lot of wonderful experiences on Twitter. Right. But uh, there, are some, there are some humdingers. Let, now, let, me, let me ask you a question, see if you kind of share the same opinion about this. This is kind of my take on Twitter and all social media. And I feel like it kind of feeds into exactly what you're talking about. Um, do you remember, of course, you know, like let's say 15 years ago, right? When a lot of this stuff really wasn't around, it was kind of in its infancy. Um, all we really had was obviously the internet, but we had print media, magazines, news articles, things like that. Now, that is something that somebody would research a topic, they would digest the information, they would be able to think about it, they create a first draft of an article, they're able to review it, have other people review it, then put it out. You know, it's not like mm -hmm. it's a, like a thought right away. Yeah. The, the problem I feel with social media, like we don't have to go into this all the way, but a pro the problem I feel with social media is now like, everything is gut reaction and think about how many times you've had a gut reaction to something and turn out to be wrong. Yeah. And then you learn a little more. Yeah. yeah. You research something, you say, Oh shit, I, I probably shouldn't have said that. I think I was yeah. wrong. But the problem is now we have it documented forever. So like in that case, like you said, like you were putting things about, Oh, how they can 3d print shark fins. So then officers can detect, what are the illegal ones? And then some idiot comes along, just catches two words out of the article. And they're like, this guy's trying to get sharks. He's trying to traffic them illegally. And it's like, yeah. did you read? Did you look at anything? And I guarantee you that person ends up going back and it's like, oh man, I, I messed up there. But it's yeah. too late. It's there for the world to see now. And then yeah. with, with the narrow-minded focus we have today, now everybody just focuses on that one little statement you made. They don't care about if you said, sorry, you researched, you did this, you did that. So we're in the we're in the age where it's like we're just re we're reacting to gut reactions on things, and I think yeah, get that. And Twitter also lends itself to a particularly weird form of communication that did not yeah. used to exist, which is a reaction to a reaction to a reaction to a reaction to a reaction. So I might log on on a particular day and see that like all of my ecologist friends are really upset about something. And it's going to take me 20 minutes to figure out what it is. Mm -hmm. But they're all mad. Clearly something happened. But no one's talking about what it is. They're talking about a reaction to a reaction to a reaction to a reaction yeah. to what happened. And it's, it's bizarre. And it's good be, that it, this sort of communication has elevated a lot of concerns that previously maybe were not newsworthy enough to make the New York Times or the Washington Post. So that can be good. But also there's a lot of nonsense that gets spread. Yeah. And not, not only active misinformation, which is a lot of the stuff that I do in environmental science world, but just stuff that doesn't matter. Mm. Like, why are, we, why are you wasting my brain cells worrying about this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Like, uh, something, you know, you'll look at what's trending and it'll be like, 
Kim Kardashian drinks black coffee, and you're like, why do I care? Like, who, who the, like, who, how, how, upset, like, how, somewhere. no, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's 39,000 people tweeting about it, and it's like, yeah. how insignificant is your life at this moment that you actually give a fuck about this? I'm sorry. Like, I don't mean to bash Kim K, but like, I get what you're saying, man. It's yeah, like, it's, why are we it's, doing this? Especially, a, a lot of this has also been made worse by just sort of everyone having the worst year of their life this past yeah. year. Right. So everyone's fuses are a little short. Uh, everyone's has a lot of pent up energy they're trying right. to burn off. No one's giving each other the benefit of the doubt anymore. It's it's uh, it's a challenging time uh, to to be a conservation science educator when I'm trying to focus on nuance. Yeah, you would think after the year that literally everyone in the world went through, it would yeah. have united us in some way. But it just, it literally gave us more time to rip each other apart. <laughs> like, for, it makes no sense. Yeah. I want to touch on what you brought up earlier, Shark Week, mm -hmm. because you said that you grew up watching it when it was good. Um, I honestly didn't start watching until about 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, but... I'm with you, and I think we're on this along the same lines. When I tune in, I legit want to know about the sharks, about what's going on, about the tagging research. The real research. It's all I want to know about. So when they throw on, like, Mike Tyson punching a shark or whatever, it's like, this is nonsense. So, like, let loose, man. Hey, how do you feel about what it's become? Yeah, it's not good. Uh, to put it mildly, if you if uh, you're you're bored later, Google my name and Shark Week and see some of the rants that have come up for the, over the years. My first ever national TV interview was with Jake Tapper on CNN about this, and we had to restart the interview seven times because apparently you're not allowed to say fuck on CNN, even if Shark Week is really bad. Well, you can say fuck here. Yes. Uh, but the the uh, it. What really gets me about it is it's such a missed opportunity. Yeah. That if, if it was just like no one expected it to be good and it wasn't good, then who cares? Mm -hmm. But it is, we've actually measured this, that it is the largest temporary increase in the American public paying attention to any science or environment topic of the year, mm -hmm. which means it could be used to raise so much attention and so much awareness of real problems facing the ocean and real ways that people can help. And it's, it's it's Mike Tyson punching sharks, mm -hmm. and it's uh, and it's celebrities who say they're afraid of sharks and then go scuba diving with sharks, and now they're going to go on to be shark conservation ambassadors and get mysteriously in thirty years of this that's never once happened. Mm -hmm. It's people who are clueless idiots um, saying I'm I am on this Shark Week expedition to find the answer to this question. Scientists answered that question in 1972. And if you had talked to an actual expert, they would have told you that and you could have stopped wasting everybody's time. Right. It's, 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 a, a, it's my white whale. Uh, at every year I, I uh, live tweet it, fact checks and commentary in real time. And they are, uh, Vox, the internet news site, collected some of my tweets from throughout the week. And the article is entitled, Watch a Shark Week Drives This Scientist Insane. <laughs> so, but on Sunday night, the opening, we're like, well, this isn't great, but, and by the end, it's just like expletives. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's a, it's them being tone deaf. Yes. Uh, that's what it is because they think that, oh, we need to throw celebrities on to get the viewership. They, they're tone deaf. You don't need to, we've interviewed 70 people on this show and it's from actors to battle rappers and they all would watch Shark Week. They yeah. don't need Mike yeah. Tyson on there. So like, it's mm -hmm. just, 
they're not they could get the best of both worlds they could get the ratings up because i would love to know is that mike tyson's show is higher rated as like um schmanberg or whatever you want to call it it's probably yeah. the same or less you know so the the over the years at least the last 10 years when i've been tracking this the one thing that predicts ratings is when in the week it airs so the Mike Tyson show was the second day, so it was pretty good, but not the best. Uh, but they, they always put their really good stuff on Friday or Saturday night at the end of the week. Yeah. And no one's watching at that point. Like, I'm, I might be the only human in the world who watches all 28 episodes of it every year because I track the content of it for a research project. Yeah. And that if, if, this, if we've learned anything from this Mike Tyson nonsense or any of the other crap like that over the years... It's that people will literally watch anything if there's sharks in it. So why not at least try to make it a little good? Yeah, yeah. no, I'm with you. And my, my favorite episodes are the ones where, like, you have people like you, uh, uh, researchers, like, explaining the jaw mass of something with the skeletons. Like, to me, that... Isn't that awesome? Know, yeah. I want to know if I could, if, like, if I'm in the ocean... Who I need in front of me so they get killed first. Yeah, I need exactly. to know that. I don't they need had, to they know. Had an, yeah, they had an especially goofy show a few years back of could Michael Phelps, the Olympic gold medalist <laughs> swimmer, could he outswim a shark? And when they announced that, I just said, no, he can't. Show over. And sure <laughs> yeah. enough, he couldn't. But the, the old joke in, in uh, scuba diving circles is you don't need to outswim the shark, you just need to outswim your dive buddy. Right. Uh, but that, when that, Mike, when that uh, Michael Phelps Outswim a Shark special aired, I was living in Vancouver in British Columbia, and they, had a, a, they have a great aquarium there, and they have a shark called a zebra shark. Mm. And zebra sharks are spotted, not striped. I don't, not, I'm never entirely clear on why that is. Some people say it's they're, 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 they're striped when they're babies. But anyway, there's this, they, don't, they don't move. Like This is an animal that just sits under a rock all day. They're beautiful, but it, it doesn't move. And I, I said, um, just to be a sarcastic jackass, that I would get in a swim race with this zebra shark at the Vancouver Aquarium would let me. And it, like, it, it, just sits, it sits under rock for like two weeks at a time. I'm pretty sure I could beat that in a race. But no. <laughs> yeah, these, these shows, are, they're just such a wasted opportunity because they attract an audience that science educators can only dream of. And then they fill people's heads with just made-up crap. And there are things that everyone knows about sharks. When, when I start my, when I give my public education talks at museums and schools and stuff like that, I don't have to start with here is what a shark is because everyone knows what a shark is. Mm -hmm. But a lot of what you know is wrong because of things like Shark Week. Have you ever heard something like sharks can smell a drop of blood from a mile away? Yeah. No, they can't. That's not how smell works. When you're smelling something, tiny particles of that something are physically interacting with chemoreceptors in your nose. So remember that next time you smell something gross and you'll think twice about it biting me on. But they, so sharks have an incredibly powerful sense of smell, but no, you can't smell a drop of something a mile away. That's not physically possible according to the laws of nature. Another thing that's wrong that they say all the time is bull sharks are the only species of shark that can enter fresh water. Well, sharks can enter freshwater, absolutely. They are not the only species that can do that. There are species that live their entire lives in rivers. They're called river sharks. They're awesome, and they're critically endangered and could really use some attention. So it's, it's, it's the laziness of the absolute lack of fact-checking. Uh, I, uh, I, I interviewed a few years ago uh, a friend's eight-year-old who, who was fact-checking Shark Week. 
And if they have the, not, and not even a scientist friend, I, I have friends that are not in the ocean science world. Right. And they're, they have, you know, we all know an eight year old who knows more about sharks than the jackasses that appear on some of the shows on Shark Week. And that means that it's not that hard for them to find someone who could do at least a cursory job with fact checking. They say things like, there are 14 species of hammerhead sharks in the world. No, there aren't. It's, sometimes it's little crap like that, but sometimes it's big things. Like they had shows a few years ago where they were completely fictional and they didn't say that they were fictional. It was CGI video. It was actors pretending to be scientists. And they claimed that Megalodon, which is that giant shark that's in the Jason Statham movie if, at the, the Jaws you can pose in at the Science Museum, uh, they said, they're not extinct. They're, they're still alive and scientists and the government are lying to you about it. I got death threats from viewers for being part of the conspiracy. I've spoken to thousands of school children since that aired in 2014, and I can't remember the last time I wasn't asked about this. Right. They're not only not helping with public education, they're actively making our jobs harder. And it's just, it's just such a waste because they have this amazing audience and this amazing budget and they could do real things and they choose not to. And it's just sad every year. I got two things out of that. One, it seems like the true exact show Shark Week is the real Shark Week. Yeah. We supply <laughs> real knowledge, not this hokey crap that you see on TV. Two, you must be tough to be around during Shark Week. <laughs> <laughs> I actually send my wife flowers on Shark Week every year that say thanks for putting up with me. Yeah. Uh, there was a time that, there was a time that uh, FTD, the flower delivery company, was considering doing an ad with me for doing that. <laughs> apparently, I, apparently uh, Shark Week flowers are not a common tradition, uh, but they are in my household. The, yeah, I, friends, uh, whenever I move to a new area, which as an academic, you have to do a lot, unfortunately, which makes it hard to keep in touch with people. But whenever I move to a new area, it's usually a, 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 in late summer when Shark Week is, and new people are like, oh, we can just come over and hang out and watch Shark Week. And get, you don't want to be around me when I'm watching Shark Week. <laughs> we can go out to a bar after I watch Shark Week. How do you feel about um, how negatively sharks are portrayed in movies and even in Shark Week itself? I mean, whenever you have like a shark enter a scene, like it's this ominous music that this murderer showed up. It's like, it's the same thing they do with aliens. Like yeah. they're always coming to kill us. Like why is everything coming to kill us? Yep. It's just checking you out. Maybe it's just like, what in the fuck is this swimming here? Yeah, uh, so I've been in the water with sharks a lot, and I'm not, I am no one's award-winning photographer uh, like your, your uh, Uber driver was, but I've taken a lot of pictures of sharks, and most of them are of sharks swimming away from you really fast, because mm -hmm. that's normally what they do when they see you. Uh, the, this uh, negative representation of sharks is a real issue. It makes people afraid of sharks, which makes them less likely to support shark conservation solutions, which is a problem because many are endangered species. Because they make uh, them out to be like monsters. Yeah. And Jaws is an excellent movie, but it's yeah. not real. And there, there's, when you, when you think about, when I, when I ask the proverbial man on the street, picture a shark, what you think of is the shark from Jaws. Yeah. And that's not how sharks behave. That's not what sharks do. And it influences people's behavior. It influences their perspectives. It influences their policy preferences. And yeah, it's a, it's a real problem. I do think that, the, the newer trend of shark exploitation movies of like Sharknado and all of those uh, do not have that same level of harm because they're so ridiculous that no one yeah. takes them seriously. 
But in the interest of uh, being a, a, an academic nerd here with full disclosure of conflict of interest, Sharknado 2 uh, funded some of my PhD research, so <laughs> they're oh. thanked in my dissertation. Yeah, you know what? It's like they just, I mean, they don't have to outright say like, oh, this is like a murderous creature or anything, but they, I mean, the way they paint the picture is... Yeah, the scary music, the dramatic yeah. narration. And then, yeah, the narration is very deep voice, dramatic, and the dark music, and they'll even shoot it in a dark way where it's like, oh, look at this murderer coming in to yeah. kill everything. And, and even the titles of the shows, Sharkageddon. Like, yeah. Yeah, so uh, a, a colleague of mine um, at, at UC San Diego did a study on public perception of sharks just based on music. And he took some footage from the, the I think it was Blue Planet or one of those BBC documentaries of sharks. And he played it as it was originally played, which was with the soundtrack was called Shark Music. And then he took that same footage and played it with the dolphin music. Mm. And it changed how people thought about sharks. And when he presented that research at a scientific conference, I've never seen a ballroom of scientists just burst out laughing before. It was amazing. They showed, all right, we've all seen this clip of the sharks feeding with the scary music. Now I'm going to play the same clip with the dolphin soundtrack from the same show and just with coffee out noses laughing in the whole room. It makes sense, though, because that's what they, I mean, you could do that with basically anything. And it really mm -hmm. makes you second guess every single bit of information that you take in especially from unless it's from well i don't want to say unless it's from a book but i feel like books are a little bit more depending on who wrote them are a little more accurate but like the way movies are made the way tv shows are made it's made to point you in the direction mm -hmm. and that's always something that i've never liked is like if i watch something especially if it's like an informational type thing don't just want to know what happened not how you're supposed to feel about feel. it don't yeah. try to influence my feeling on this. Like if I watch something with like David Attenborough and I'm like, I watch those nature documentaries all the time. There are some of them that are really, really good. I really mm -hmm. love them. Then there are some that I just, I can't watch. I have to turn off because I'm like, I don't like the way, I don't like the direction they're pushing me in. Like yeah. you want me to think that this is a negative thing or this is a bad thing when it's not necessarily the truth. I, do you know who, um, you know who Manny Puig is? No, that name sounds familiar, but... From, uh, from Wild Boys, he was with the Jackass. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we had him on, and he's all about, like, he's all in the animal field, uh, dangerous predators and things like that. And we had spoke to him about uh, the hunting and stuff that goes on in, like, Africa, like, like trophy hunters, where you have, like, some rich doctor going over there and shooting the <laughs> lion and posing with the lion. And then the, the photo gets out, and people are outraged. How could you kill a lion? We can't believe this. And before speaking to him, um, all we had was, you know, the media like that was saying, like, okay, you can't go kill, like, it's wrong to kill these animals. The documentaries that are like, oh, look how sick these people are. And, of course, there are people out there that are yeah. fucked up. There are a hundred percent. But the thing is, he also clued us into the fact that these countries have a certain quota of these animals. That yeah. They and it, it funds conservation yeah, efforts. It, it pays, yeah. The people pay tens of thousands of dollars for the right mm -hmm. to do it. And that pays for a hundred rangers for a year to patrol it. Yeah. This, uh, it's all, a lot of these things are more complicated right. than they first seem, mm -hmm. which, which again is, is uh, sometimes tricky to convey on Twitter. Yeah. No, but, 
no one. It seems like today, nowadays, even if it's a sports team, politics, sharks, you pick a side. If you're on the other side, everyone's an asshole. Sadly, yep. that's just how. I, actually, I would say only five percent of the country is. The other ninety-five are pretty normal. It's just the five percent are the loudest on Twitter. Yes. So, so that's yeah. That's that sounds about right. Yeah, that's what it is. But uh, one one or two more things before we get to our mm-hmm. final segment here. Uh, I see. I looked you up. You have a lot of awards, right? That you've earned. What is your most the proudest one that you've earned? Ooh, uh, you can actually see it behind me here. Oh, this this finger. Uh, that it, there is a hot there. There was a hot dog named after me at the hot dog stand at Duke University where I went to school. That is so cool. <laughs> uh, there is that you could have, that, that guy has since retired, uh, Polly the hot dog stand guy, but you could have ordered yourself a shipment. That is such a guy thing because yeah. that's what I would be most proud of. Isn't that great? Well. I mean, like yeah. anyone, can, anyone can win these other awards, but they, they get only uh, previously named, the, named uh, hot dogs after basketball players. Yeah. yeah, we used to have a similar thing like that here. There are these things called the grease trucks mm-hmm. over by Rutgers University. And it, it, they had these fat sandwiches, right? Like it would be like a cheese steak. They put a, uh, chicken fingers, mozzarella sticks, fries. Oh, that sounds awesome. awesome. It was great. Oh, yeah. it's amazing. It's fantastic. Don't ever leave. If you ever get one, don't ever leave it sitting in your car for more than an hour. It turns into a brick. <laughs> All the grease. But what they had was the thing was if you ate two of them, you could then name the sandwich for your own. But, Ooh. like, it's no, it's physically impossible to eat. Yeah, that sounds, like, that, that sounds like a lot. <laughs> but, but you have no shortage of people trying. <laughs> but, they, Dave, that's why you, the hot dog thing's your thing. I've been trying to get Paul Clerken to name an alien shark after me. Oh, cool. Three times. Yeah. And I don't think he's biting yet. <laughs> he's just like, absolutely not. <laughs> No, but that's cool. Um, all right, man. Uh, let us know. We could get to our final segment here. Let us know what you got coming up. Uh, I know you're going to be in Miami with uh, Catherine McDonald. So, like, mm-hmm. where can we catch you? Some um, YouTube videos you want our guests to uh, look at? Yeah. Uh, so, if, if people are curious, uh, if you have any questions about sharks or ocean stuff ever, I'm always happy to answer them on social media. I actually have an Ask a Marine Biologist column for Sport Diver magazine, where people can write in a question, um, and I'll answer it in, in the in the magazine. But it's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Why Sharks Matter. Any questions that anyone has, I'm happy to answer. Uh, this is really cool, man. Uh, final segment we like to do, and it gets a little hard with the Shark Week ones because I okay. think we wear it out. It's a gun to your head, and it's a, we ask two questions each, and you have to answer them. They got a little wordplay involved, so it's not your typical like beach or or bar, whatever. You'll you'll understand. Hard okay, example, I'm intrigued. Yeah, so I'll go first, and you have to pick a winner at the end too. Okay, so you have to pick your favorite question at the end. So I'll go first. For one year, you have to live in Miami, or you could only listen to Will Smith's song, Miami. <laughs> live, in my, live in Miami. Oh, all I right. I the Will Smith song. <laughs> That's, that song is now going to be stuck in my head for a whole year. <laughs> Brian? Fantastic song. All right. Uh, would you rather get a tramp stamp or give up your career to be a mailman? Ooh. That's a tricky one. I guess a tr- I, I have to go. I love my job. I got to I gotta go with, I can't, I can't give it up. Yeah. You can get a shark right on the back. Yeah. yeah they, you, people already do whale tails, right? Exactly. Just change the tail, di- tail morphology a little. All right. So this is uh, going to show if you're selfish or not. Now, you Uh-oh. could have world peace, but 
in exchange, you could only eat peas the rest of your life. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, apparently, when I was a little kid, I used to call them the evil little green balls. And my parents, uh, my parents still tease me about that. Oh, I, I just like food too much. Other people are going to have to figure it out another way. <laughs> I like that answer because I would have agreed. You know, who are you? Like, who are you yeah. to sacrifice yourself yeah. for just peas? You know, let someone else eat peas. Go on, bro. Last one. Last one. Would you rather eat poison ivy or grab a handful of bees? Ooh. Uh, I did eat poison ivy once accidentally, oh. and it was uh, – it was not great, but it wasn't as awful as you might fear. And whereas a handful of bees sounds like a potential to be really, really, really bad. So I'll go with poison ivy again. Like that's a couple unpleasant days rather than. Uh, what? Hold on. What, what happened? Like, how, first off, how did you eat poison ivy? It got in the. On a camping trip, it got in the food. Oh. How yeah. scared were you when you found out you did? Like the first. We, we, every, the whole group did. So at least I had other people to oh, suffer okay. with me. Yeah, that's great. All right, your favorite question. Oh, I think pee is a world piece. That's that's a good, that's a good one for me. I, I'm okay yeah. with that. Uh, that's yeah. a, that's a yeah, solid when that competition is around. <laughs> <laughs> hey, David, thank you very much for coming on, man. This is yeah. awesome. Absolutely. Uh, Thanks for having me.